Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show with Dr. S, the place to hear stories of heart-driven women creatively living free. Our episodes highlight conversations and insights that support the values of self-care, creative and personal freedom, slower living, happiness, health and wellness to help you live your absolute best life. To be a part of the movement and join the conversation, step inside our free Facebook group, She Heals the World, and say hello. It brings me great joy to bring you our next episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show today. So as you know, it is Money Month in She Heals the World. It is the month of March, and that is really where we talk about spring cleaning your finances. And along the lines of that, there was no better person that could come on the show to talk all about the ins and outs of increasing your credit. So I have Tiffany from The Budget Nista. She is leading in this space. She is a financial educator and has really built a beautiful, amazing brand around supporting women in this area. So Tiffany, I'm so, so happy to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Sophia. I'm super excited to be here. Super excited. I'm glad. So tell us, I mean, you have been doing this for quite a while. You've built a tremendous following what is your story? How did you get started? So I really got started, I want to say almost at birth. I was <laughs> lucky. <laughs> I was lucky that I grew up in a household where my dad and my mom talked to my sisters and I about money. It mm-hmm. wasn't something that they shied away from. And as a result, I didn't think there was anything weird about money because they talked about money the same that you would talk about, the same way you would talk about chores or homework. And so we would have our weekly family meetings. And during those family meetings, there were financial lessons. And even now to this day, if I call my dad, he always asks about my taxes or business, or he's always still teaching me about personal finance. He was a CFO and an accountant. He's now retired. And so I kind of came up with that, that that was always ingrained in me. And so I was really good at budgeting, really good at saving. I had like a perfect credit score um, by the age I was, by the age of 23, and and I didn't really think anything of it, and it really wasn't until the recession hit in 2008, 9, 10 that everything I kind of worked for fell apart, and I lost my job, I lost my my house, I bought a house when I was 25, I lost everything, and it was in the rebuilding that I realized, like, okay, I can lean on the lessons that I grew up with, and as I was fixing myself. Family and friends came to me and said, well, I know we're all struggling, but you seem to be struggling less. So (laughs) that's when I started really teaching the budget Nista, um, you know, just really becoming the budget Nista. It was really post-recession where people really were open and looking for assistance. And and so it's been rocking and rolling since then. It's been over 10 years of me doing this. So what happened along that along that path that was difficult for you? Oh, everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. I think people think that somehow successful means not hard. Yeah. Like every single lesson, every single success was hard won. Um, I didn't know how to do anything. So I had to learn everything from scratch. But I just remembered to put one foot in front of the other. So the first thing I did was I said, okay, I I wrote, I had written the book when I was still teaching. I'd wrote on my first book, The One Week Budget, when I was still teaching. And I remember thinking, well, how do you market a book? It took me like two years to write the book. I finally found a, um, a person to like, where where do you even put a book? Like I found someone to to do the graphic design. And literally what I would do was 
I would do the one thing and then I would ask questions about the, the next thing. Well, like, how do you know, how do you self-publish? So I'm asking all these questions, I'm Googling online. And then at the time, this was kind of new, but Amazon was self-publishing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the vanity publishing like these other platforms. Amazon had this this company called Create Space that you could upload your book for free. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> then you could post it. And so someone told me about Create Space and I was like, okay. So that, that was it. I uploaded a create space. I sent a book to myself. I said, okay, now we're in business because Amazon will collect the money, take their piece and, and, and send the book and then send the money to you. Wow. So then I thought, well, how do you market a book? I literally Googled how to market a book. And I found like a list of ways to market. And I just tried each and every one of those things. Mm. And so, and I remember like I did all of this stuff. And I think the first month the book sold, I sold like a hundred copies of the book. And the next month I sold nothing. Next month I sold nothing. Next month I sold nothing. <laughs> um, and then I thought, okay, there has to be a better way. So guess what? Every time I met someone who said they had a book, I would ask them about their sales. And then I would say, what did you do? Mm-hmm. So the key is always the next best step. You do all that you know how to do. And yeah. then you seek out knowledge for the next best step. And there was a gentleman who gave me the best piece of advice. He said, how much is your book? I think it was like, I don't know. $14 or something like that. He said, okay, that's comparable for regular books on Amazon. How much is your Kindle book? This is when Kindle was starting to pick up. Mm-hmm. I said, $8. He said, $8, that's too much. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. It's, it's the same book as a physical book. Why would I give it away for cheap? He said, when you go home, go on Amazon, look in your category, budgeting finance, and look at the top 10 books and tell me what price they are. So I didn't have to go home. I looked at my phone and none of them were over $5. Wow. He said, again, why is your book $8? And I was like, no. He said, well, because I just, it didn't sit right. I'm like, I don't want to give away all this information for $4. Yeah. He said, just put it on sale. Put it on sale. So I posted on my social, hey, the one we budget, I'm going to put it on sale temporarily for $3.99. I think I said $3 or $4.99. Mm-hmm. And in three days, it hit number one on Amazon in its category. Oh, my goodness. And it's been on sale since then. <laughs> was all of these lessons learned I was like okay okay what's up next once I had the one week budget rocking and rolling I said so what's the next thing and I was teaching this class at the United Way and because I knew okay I have to figure out how to make money month to month and my mentor said you should really start to look for contracts and so I started to reach out to all these organizations where I had done volunteer work and um, the United Way was one of them and they said, oh, perfect timing. We have a class that we were looking for someone to teach because we partner with a bank that wants to give money to the community, but wants the community to take classes first. And I said, oh, I could do that. They're like, oh, do you have a curriculum? Yeah, I did not. But I figured I could make one, you know, um, because I was a teacher and I got my master's in education. And that's one of the things I learned with my master's is how to write curriculum. I just had not written one for finance yet. Yeah. And. She's like, okay, could you have a proposal? I was like, sure. Never wrote a proposal before. She said, okay, submit it to me by next week. So same thing. I took it to Twitter this time. I said, help, I need to write a proposal. And someone reached out to me. Um, it was like, you know, I see all the good work you do in the city. Um, I live in uh, Newark. Um, and at the time, I didn't know, but her name was Michelle Thomas. And she was the communications director for the city of Newark. But I didn't know that when she tweeted me. But when I was tweeting, I used to tweet before all of the volunteer work, and but not to just say, hey, I'm volunteering, but to ask for help. Like, hey, um, I'm volunteering down at the soup kitchen. If anybody wants to come, we, would re- we could really use some plates. So she was following me and saying, she said, I love all the work you're doing for the city of Newark, and um, I'm going to help you because you helped the city. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so um, she told me to email her all that I had. So I did my mumble jumble of mess, and she put it in proposal form that I still use today. 
And I submitted that to the United Way and it was like 1500 bucks a month they were going to pay me. I was like, now we're in business. Yeah. So I had written this six week curriculum and it was for a cohort of people, like a group of people. They would come to class every Tuesday from six to eight and I would teach this class. Um, and it went so well, they were like, do you want to do another and another? And before you knew it, I was doing two cohorts and I was getting paid $3,000 a month. I was like, okay. Mm. And um, I would use my social media to fill up the fill up the classes because the classes were free to the community. And I, I surmised that if I had full classes, they would always keep me on. Yes. You know? And so, um, and so what happened though, because social media was starting to grow beyond regional, people in other states started saying, I want to come. And I was like, well, it's in Newark, New Jersey. I don't know how that works. And I thought, huh, what if I could take this and put this online? And then I created from those that six-week series, I put it online and called it the Live Richer Challenge. And that totally is what changed my business. I put it online. It was a free five-week course. My aim was to sign up 10,000 women. It took me a full year to organically sign up 10,000 women. I didn't know anything about ads or anything like that. We started January 2015 together. By the end of the challenge, we had 20,000 women signed up. And by the end of the year, 30,000. And now over 900,000 women have done one or more of the literature challenges. I do a new one every year. Oh, my goodness. So that was the kaboom for me. And if the, and, if, and I feel like I should say at the end, and that's all she wrote. <laughs> right? It was like, because from the challenges, everything rolled out. From the challenges, I started to get more press. From the challenges, I started to get more speaking engagement. Because you never know who's taking your stuff. Yeah. I, I got a huge contract with a car company. And the woman was like, I took your literature challenge. It changed my life. So I told them about you. And now we want you to be a brand ambassador. Like, so from the challenges, people who took the challenges would then go back to their place of business or whatever, advocate for me, even though I did not know them. And I would be booked, busy and blessed. Yeah. And I think the deep skill underneath that, which is so interesting, because we kind of started this with you touching on the importance of asking for help. Without those mentors, without you fearlessly reaching out to those people that just would give you the chance to be heard, you know, who knows where you would be today? You probably would have found another way anyway, because you're super ambitious. But the point is, is that you didn't stop. You didn't get stuck. You knew that you had something to share. And all you did was continue to ask for the next step and look at where you are today. That's such an inspirational story for anyone listening. And I'm just so thankful that you shared it with us. And I think along those lines, you know, we would be foolish to not tap into your brilliance on the show today and ask for the next step as it relates to credit and and people attempting and working on building their financial future. So I'd love to transition just into the whole, your specialty of building credit, of supporting women in refining and up-leveling their credit and some things that people can do today to turn around maybe some negative things that they've had on their credit history so that they can really step into a brighter financial path. So what do you got for us today? Well, when it comes to your credit, credit is really one of those things where if credit is your only issue, that's good because it is really a matter of tips and tricks and less about discipline. Mm. So one thing you really want to understand with credit is what is it made up of? That's the critical component. Like what are the, there are five components to your credit score. And so you need to know what those are. And so just remember this 10, 10, 15, 30, 35, 10% increase, 
That's time. That's anytime someone who is not you looks at your credit. So when you give someone your social security number, the last four digits of your social, anytime someone who is not you looks up your credit, whether it's like, you know, getting a, a credit card at uh, um, uh, the target credit card or you're getting a mortgage or a house, just know you stand to lose anywhere from eight to 30 points. So you want to use your inquiries wisely and save them. 10, another 10 type of debt. So the credit bureaus like to see that you are an experienced borrower. Not that you just have a student loan or you just have a credit card. They like to see that you have different types of ways that you borrowed money and paid it back. And so you don't have to do anything here other than just live a little longer. Because as you live a little longer, you experience different types of credit. That's 10% as well. 15% is length of credit history. And so this is an average. How long have you been a borrower? If I have one credit card that's 10 years old, then my length of credit history is 10 years. But if I add another credit card to that now, now I have a one-year-old credit card and a 10-year-old credit card divided by two. So that's a one plus 10 is 11 divided by two, which is five and a half. Now, all of a sudden, I have literally split my length of credit history in half. So every time you open up new credit, you are lowering your length of credit history and affecting 15% of your score, 30%. 30% is amounts owed. So sometimes people also call this like utilization. So how much of the credit allotted to you do you actually owe? Typically, they're looking at your credit um, credit cards, right? So if you think about your credit card, you have a $100 limit on your credit card and you have a $50 balance. Let's just say you have one credit card. So that means your utilization, your amounts owed is 50% of what you could be borrowing. That's too high. You really want to say your new maximum is 30%. That means your card should have no more than a $30 balance on a $100 limit card. But it's also an average amounts owed. So let's just say I have one credit card, that same one, $100 limit, $50 balance. So we're like, oh, we're at 50% utilization with that card. Yes, yes, yes. But you have another card that also has a $100 limit, but this one doesn't have a balance because you don't use it. So now you don't have a 50% utilization because we're doing an average. You have one card you're not using at all and one card you're using half of. So really in total, you're only using 25% of the limits allotted to you. So that's decent. 25% utilization is decent. Now, amounts owed, that is the sneaky little thing that might be dragging down your score because people can pay on time. They could do all these things and they're like, my credit score is still bad. You might owe too much in comparison to what you could owe. Are you over 30% utilization? Then that's typically why. So keeping your balances down, paying off debt is going to be critical to your healthy credit score. And last but not least, 35% of your score is payment history. Do you pay on time? Do you pay the minimum or more? So if you, one of the best ways to make sure you hit your payment history up is by opening up a separate checking account from the, from the one attached to your debit card and calling it your bills account and then having your bills account pay your bills for you automatically. That will help you to automatically pay your bills and make sure that you positively affect 35% of your credit score. Wow. Okay. I love all of that. And one thing that you brought up that I, I started to think about people I know and people who have been clients who have asked me about 
paying off their cards before they make new investments. So specifically, and I don't want to say their existing cards, but some of them have charge offs where they're wondering, should I go back and pay off and clean up all that debt or should I just leave it? It was a mistake. Let it drop off. Continue with my life. Continue to make different investments and, and shifts in my business to grow myself. Or do I need to rewrite the story? And what would you say to them if they are stuck with debt? Maybe they were it was very tight for them growing up or getting started. They have these negative marks on their credit. They don't know if they should go back or if they should continue to push forward. What advice would you have? So I would say it depends on where you live and how long ago it was. So every state has their own statute of limitations. So the statute of limitations is how long are you legally responsible for this thing that you've done? So for example, in the state of New Jersey, the statute of limitations on credit card debt is six years. And a lot of debt in New Jersey, six years. There are some states the statute of limitation is three years or four years, but in New Jersey is six years. So let's just say I was late on, um, I don't know, like my Sprint bill or something like that. And, um, and it's year one, so I have not paid them in a year. Six years is a long time away. I would say take care of it, you know? Now, let's just say that same bill has been like sold and sold again and sold to debt collectors and it's five and a half years old. I'm not saying you shouldn't pay it. I'm just saying it's five and a half years old. And so it all depends. You, to find out the statute of limitation, you just Google it. Statute of limitation for credit card debt in my state. Statute of limitation for car note in my state. It will tell you. Google is your guru. Right. And so but know this, that anything over two years old doesn't have the same effect on your credit score. I want you to think about your credit score or the people that you're borrowing, you know, like money from as if like as if you're borrowing, you're you're asking someone to borrow their car. So if I'm like, Sophia, can I borrow your car? And then my sister Lisa says, no, I want to borrow Sophia's car. And you're like, well, Tiffany and Lisa, both of you guys have been in one accident in your driving career. I'm like, this is true. And you say, Tiffany, when's the last time you were in an accident? I say, two months ago. Lisa, when's the last time you were in an accident? She says, five years ago. Who do you feel more comfortable loaning your car to? Yeah. Lisa. Because Lisa, her negative, um, no, like her negative kind of like mark against her car, her driving record happened five years ago, even though it's still one negative mark. But mine is more recent, so it's more telling about how I am now as a driver. It's the same thing with your credit, that they're really looking within the last two years because that really determines who you are now as a borrower. Okay, when you were 18, you messed up. Well, girl, you're 35 now. So you know what I mean? So I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of old things, but be mindful that sometimes if you take care of super old things, you actually make them new again and relevant again. It can actually bring down your score when you pay off something old. Got it. That is going to help so many people, especially because when you're new in business, you only have a limited amount of money. And I'm sure there's a lot of women who want to make sure that they use that money wisely uh, and in the best way that's going to put them ahead. And so I think a follow up question that I have for you um, is about the payments on credit cards, because a lot of people, once you have a business, You put all of your business expenses on credit cards. But what I heard you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you should not be paying off 100% of your credit cards every single month or every time you make your investment because you want a little bit of that 
of that wiggle room to just show that you are comfortable carrying a small amount of debt and that you are making consistent payments on that debt? Or should you be paying it off every single month? Maybe I maybe I'm confused. Yes, I was gonna say, who said that? No, <laughs> you should absolutely No, what I was saying is that you guys strike that for some <laughs> Okay, it's good because there are people who might think the same. Okay. What I was saying is that you want to never have more than 30% of your limit in in your as a credit card balance. Okay. So never more than 30%, but ideally, let's keep it zero. Okay. Like, yes, yeah, okay. so paying at off your credit card. Month after month looks good. When you make a payment and you pay it off and you make a payment and That's you pay perfect. it off. It looks and good. actually, I call my jump like Jordan method. Like, so Michael Jordan was known for jumping super high. And I used to be like, so how do you get your credit card score to jump super high, almost like supernaturally high? And that is one of the ways is that you pay it off every month in full. But here's the caveat. One, you don't want to pay it off too soon before the credit card company reports your usage to the credit bureaus. Ah. You want to pay it off after the statement date. The okay. statement date is when they issue a statement and basically that's like when you get the, the statement in the mail. Usually your statement date will be on your, your um, you can look online on your, your credit card statement or you can call if you don't know because you want the credit card company to say, Sophia used her card and the, then the credit bureau says, okay. And then you want to pay off by the due date. Right. Then it's like Sophia paid off her card. Okay. Sophia used her card. She paid it off. She used, she paid. That cycle is what's being recorded as a really positive thing. And what's so awesome is that the amount doesn't matter. You can literally do $9 a month and mm -hmm. it looks like you paid off a mortgage every month or a car note every month. Wow. The amount doesn't matter. So I keep what I call a jump like Jordan card always. That is a credit card that I don't use for anything else except for I put Netflix or my gym membership, one small thing on that card. And then I I have that that um that bills account that we mentioned earlier. Mm. I have the bills account pay off that card every month in full. I have Netflix okay. charge the card and my bills account pay off the card. My bills account is paying off the card after the statement date because I already figured out that my statement date is the 5th my bills account pays off that card on the seventh. Mm. So that way every month, that $9, boom, boom, is making me look amazing. And it's one of the reasons why my credit score is so strong that even if you remember your credit, I want you folks to understand that your credit is like your financial GPA, your grade point average. Mm. So this is what people will say to me. Hey, Tiffany, I just, you know, paid off my bill. What's my credit score going to be? That's like saying, hey, Tiffany, I just got an A in art. What's my what's my GPA for you know high school gonna be? I don't know, girl. I don't know the rest of your grades, <laughs> right? I, right. So all of your grades are considered, right? right and right. so so let's just say, or people say, I you know I made a payment on time, or I paid it off. I know I was late, but I paid it off. You know, how come my score is still bad? Right. Well, because every month is a new grade. So January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, November. For twelve months, you've been late. So you have 12 Fs mm. and because January, the next January, you finally got it together and you have one A. Girl, you know what 12 Fs with right. one A is? An F. Right, right. What do you have to do? That means January, February, March, moving forward, you need to offset those Fs with more A's. That's all you can do. Mm. You can't ever erase your Fs, not really. I mean, right. you can sometimes ask, but they're not under any obligation to remove anything. 
right? So the best way is to offset the S with A's because eventually you'll have so many A's. You know, imagine having 50 A's and you have 12 F's, you likely still have an A. Mm. I mean, so every time you make an on-time payment, A, 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 and then all of a sudden, also too, remember that after two years, those F's have less power because they're not as relevant to who you are as a borrower now. Mm. So not only A's offset the F's as far as average, those F's will fall off as far as importance. Love that. So you hear that, ladies? You got 30 days. So for all of you who are looking to buy that new ebook or online program or whatever, put it on your credit card and pay it off in 30 days. <laughs> you know, well, sometimes you want to make sure too, because some credit cards are sneakier these days. Some credit cards are like 21, 20 cents. So make sure that you know when your, you know, when your due date is versus your statement date. But paying it off in full every month is yeah. going to be critical. Like if you can't pay it off, you know, then then at least try to keep it under 30%. Beautiful. I I have this has been so helpful. And I would love for you to just give us one more tip. I want to be respectful of our time here, but do you just have one more tip for our audience in terms of increasing their credit score or improving their credit score over time? Yes. So this is a super easy one. Find someone, preferably a family member that you super trust, and ask them if you can be an authorized user. So I've done this for my little sister. So what that means is they literally call it piggybacking. So I piggyback my little sister Lisa on my back. She's like, I want to raise my credit score. Can I piggyback? I said, sure. So what that meant was we called up my credit card company together. I said, hi, I would like to add my sister Lisa as an authorized user. They said, okay. I said, but wait. Is this going to show on her credit report? Because sometimes you could add someone as an authorized user and it doesn't automatically do so. And she's like, oh, I'm glad you asked. We will make sure that it does. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know that it does, it's not automatic. So I think wow. Lisa had to give like her, her credit, her social security number. That's why this is so important. Lisa had to give her social security number. They added her on as an authorized user. And what that means is technically I can give Lisa a card that she's authorized to use. I'm not giving Lisa a card. Right. Oh, that card, yep. No, no. See, but that wasn't the right. So she's not getting a card. But what it did mean is that the way I move, she moves. Yeah. So with that card, when I use the card, it looks like Lisa used the card. When I paid off in full every month, it looks like Lisa paid it off in full. Wow. So that's what it is. So she gets to inherit my good behavior as an authorized user. Mm. So you're wanting one, someone who is good with your credit, but specifically that card, because you're not inheriting their whole credit. You're just inheriting their behavior with that particular card. And the good news is, is that if they don't pay, let's just say for whatever reason, they don't pay their card off, they can't come after you. You are not a a joint signer for that card. Like sometimes husband and wives get a credit card together. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that means we're equally as responsible. But if I decide one day, oh, I, I you know, swiped up $10,000, I'm not paying it. They can't come at Lisa. She's an authorized user. She's not responsible for the card, though. Wow. So the, the, the language specifically is asking about if your credit card has an option where you can add an authorized user to the card. Yes. And you want to make sure that if that person is an authorized user, will this be reported to their credit um, report? Okay. And so you want to make sure of that, because what's the point if not? And I would say nine times out of 10, they're going to say yes to both. And then you can add them on or you could ask to be added on. Um, and then, you know, and then, yes, as they as they do your card. So ideally, you want to find someone who is paying off their credit card every month in full. Right. Sometimes right. they call this trade lines. 
So okay. you'll hear sometimes people say that they're selling trade lines. That's mm-hmm. just basically them selling spots as an authorized user on their on their own things that they borrowed. Uh, wait a minute. Don't what? tell me people made yeah. a business out of that. Sure but I tell people, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> because like, so people will sell trade lines. And so don't just ask your mama, mama, you pay this, you pay this credit card off in full every month. Okay. Can you put me on? Okay. Thank you. And just be mindful of this too. Cause this is kind of funny. A friend of mine was, became an authorized user on her grandmother's credit card. Mm-hmm. And they were like, um, how old are you? She said 25. They said, well, this credit card is 30 years old. How do you have a credit card that's five years older than you? <laughs> and so she, I, I, so you, I never heard of that before. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. So you want to make sure that you're an authorized user of a credit card. That makes sense that you're yeah. on. You don't yeah. want to get a credit card older than your birth. Tiffany, these tips have been so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for sharing these life-changing, game-changing tips. If you could look back and give your 10-year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? If I could give my myself back, which is so crazy because 30 to, because I'm, I'm 40 now. So yeah. there's such a big difference. I was $300,000 in debt. My net worth was $300,000, negative 300,000. And now my net worth is a positive seven figures. Ooh. Yes, that I would I would tell her that it all works out, but you do have to do the work. Mm. You know, that it all works out, everything. Like, you know, I was like, you know, I was stressed about everything. I was stressed about my future. I was stressed about romance and love and 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 just all the things. And I have all those things that I that I was worried about then. I have them times ten now. So that it all does work out, but you will have to do the work. You know, I do the work. Mm-hmm. How can our audience find and support you? I know you're gonna have people running over to your site and your challenges. Please drop your links for us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. For the budget needs to, I am the budget needs to everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, uh, just all the places. I'm the budget needs to, and it's thebudgetnista.com. And if you're wanting to take one of my free live richer challenges, um, it's livericherchallenge.com. And if you are a mama or a dad or auntie or or whomever, but you have a child in your life and you want to start teaching financial literacy to your child. I wrote my first children's book for ages three to seven. It's called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. It's just a great book and tool to use to teach the little one in your life age-appropriate financial education. At the back of the book, I have financial lessons and activities and questions that you can extend the lesson with your child. And that's at mollymore.com, M-A-I-M-O-R-E, mollymore.com. I'm super proud of that project because it's, if we can get kids on board, then you won't have, they won't have the same struggles as adults do now. Yeah. You know, so like, it's really important to me that, you know, the earlier we can start, the better, because at three is typically when your child or a child in your life starts asking you, can you buy me? Not just can I have, Yeah. because when they say, can you buy me? That means it's like, oh, ding, 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 ding. They recognize that money is being exchanged for stuff. So we want to make sure that they understand what that truly means. Yes, and I totally agree. You know, we are of kindred spirits. We both started our careers as preschool teachers. And so I'm 100% with you. Yes. (laughs) Check out that site, guys. Support her. Support this work. Tell a friend. And Tiffany, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I hope to have you back. Thank you so much, Sophia. It was fun. It was really fun. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And as always, for more resources 
as you continue to live out your beautiful mission of healing the world and grow your beautiful business, you can head to www.shehealstheworld.com forward slash freebie to see what new resources I have in store for you. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. And I can't wait to see you at the next episode.